Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today we get into a conversation around uh, sustainability, around electric vehicles, around mobility, um, and the future of mobility. We've been seeing a lot of countries uh, making declarations around um, zero emissions, uh, declarations around um, diesel-powered vehicles, petrol-powered vehicles, um, the people have uh, cited the death of the inter- internal combustion engine um, in a lot of respects. We see a lot of countries saying that they want to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent electrified by 2030, 2040. And we've also seen a lot of car makers and uh, mobility players also following suit. And uh, Uber, uh, which is uh, the largest ride sharing uh, platform in the world, has made a commitment, you know, to be at that level by 2040. And uh, we're just going to be chatting around what does that mean for us um, in this particular region because yes all that is happening in Europe and the United States and other parts of the world but um, here in South Africa here on the African continent what does that actually mean especially given uh, the relatively low uh, proliferation of electric vehicles and um, alternatives um, you know on that front uh, so to help us to you know make sense um, of uh, uber strategy on that front we're joined by uh, Franz Himstra, uh, who is uh, now the regional um, general manager for Uber in Middle Eastern Africa. Uh, the last time that I spoke to him, he was still general manager for Sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, I think at the time, there were a couple of things that were being launched. Th- that's when the Aiga, um, you know, came into the market with the below Uber X, it was now Uber uber go and then there was also the move launch trying to make uh, cars more accessible to people from a pricing uh, point of view how have you been yeah i've been really well really good to see you again uh, before we get into the the conversation around sustainability though you know maybe you could give us that insight to say the jump from being a uh, re- uh, general manager for mm-hmm. sub-saharan africa to being regional general manager for uh, middle eastern africa what yeah. does that actually mean at all entail yeah so i um I suppose I, I spent about six and a half years in sub-Saharan Africa, and I think I learned the business there, the Uber business there. We built um, a lot of new countries from from ground up, and uh, the move to to Middle East for me was a it was a big shift. It's, a, it's culturally it's 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 quite different, um, but to the essence of it, we still sell the same product there. Um, it's it's just it's just a little bit different in every in every single market. I think the the thing that's been really inspiring for me is to to see how how impressive our, our markets in in sub-Saharan Africa and South Africa specifically is relative to the to the markets in the Middle East as well. Yeah, um, we have really good business here, and uh, I yeah really proud of what we managed to to build here relative to what we see in the rest of Middle East and Africa. I have to say that one of my you know when you look at certain platforms and I guess the how you operate a platform and the customer experience on a certain platform um, tends to be different in certain, uh, depending on what region you go to. I think Netflix is a good example. You know, if you are in South Africa, the content that's served up to you on the homepage is different from what you see if you are in Dubai, if you're in the United States. Uh, But I've at least uh, appreciated that, at least with Uber, all the places I've been to, Mm. including Dubai, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, 
it's the same experience mm. except that of course it does it understands where it is and it does you know a you you now start being charged in whatever the local yes. um currency is going to be so uh, you know very interesting on that front i suppose we try and keep it consistent but if you if you just compare market by market we as we understand our our markets better and you referred to ubergo earlier in south africa we realized there was a there was a, a use case for that in South Africa, and, and, and we tailored our, our product offering. Um, Dubai is an interesting one there. It's a, it's a super premium um, offering there. The sort of standard car is, is a Lexus. Yes. Um, so, they, so, they, so they service the, the yeah. population that, that, that uses it there. But ideally, the, the, the experience needs to be as consistent as possible across markets. No, no, more certainly. And when it comes to that consistency, I think that's a good, you know, part for us to get into uh, the issue of sustainability, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, going green, of, you know, all of these buzzwords that are getting thrown, you yes. know, at this particular issue and problem. My thing before we, we go too far is, you know, and on a realistic level in this particular region in South Africa, African continent and the like, I'm I'm a, I'm way more optimistic about the prospects in the Middle East, right? Uh, but when it comes to Africa, like how are you guys thinking around? Um, is it an electrification of uh, of of cars on the platform, or is it just to make sure uh, that cars on the platform are not using an internal combustion engine? I think let's start there just so that people have that clarity. Yes. Yeah. So so I suppose as a as a global business, we have a view on sustainability, yeah. um, and we want to make sure, as we said, we want to try and be as consistent as possible across all the markets that we're operating. Yeah. So we have so we have bold ambitions, mm. and and that ambition is Uber needs to have every single kilometer driven on Uber needs to be um, um, uh, in an electric vehicle by by twenty forty. Yeah. So so that's a pretty big uh, bold commitment that we've made across hundreds and hundreds of cities and. Um, that, that Uber operates in. And, and, and we want to do the same in, in, in South Africa. Mm. Um, some of it is a matter of, of time. Um, and, and there are certain countries that are, are further ahead. Um, but we have ambitions for, for South Africa just as much as we have in, in Dubai. And Dubai is a good example. We, we have a pretty decent amount of um, fully electric vehicles already operating on the platform. And it's well received by, by the users there. It's, it's great for... Um, our relationships with government, because government is very vested in it. Mm. But yes, our, our aim is to to transition uh, the vehicles that operate on the platform to to electric. Mm. I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Shenzhen mm-hmm. in China, and one of the most interesting thing about that uh, was this was 2019, even so, more than four years ago now, um, was the fact that even back then, um, a huge portion of the of just a normal cab mm. was already at an electric level. Uh, they were, they were, it was a standard electric vehicle. I just can't remember the, the, the make or the brand. Uh, but, you know, and I remember talking to one driver. I think at the time he gave me some number to say in the whole city, they were only left with maybe like four to 500 guys that were still using, you know, the old type of vehicles. Yes. Like everything else had been, um, you know, electrified. And keen to understand from a Dubai point of view then, um, do you do you have anything in terms of what that balance looks like? Yeah, sure. So, so we've actually made a specific commitment in in, in Dubai. Yeah. Uh, last year, we want to be twenty five percent all kilometers driven. Yeah. By twenty thirty, I believe is um, is when we want to get there. We're actually well ahead. Mm. Um, but um, that's that's our commitment we've made in Dubai, and we'd love to do something similar in 
in South Africa. I think yeah. there's a few uh, moving pieces that need to come into uh, fall into place before we can stand by a very specific South Africa commitment. Mm. But we have we have intentions to to do that, and we want to, you need to start somewhere. Yeah. So the first thing that we that we typically do is we work with OEMs and we start introducing them to the platform, and we you have to start small. Mm-hmm. As you scale the the number of of EV vehicles on the platform, it becomes easier to negotiate um, better deals with OEMs. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the policymakers catch up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces that need to fall into place. But we're bullish. It, it will come. It will come, and, and we want to be on the forefront of that. Mm. Okay, cool. So I think that's a good place for us to enter. You know, the South African market mm-hmm. to say um, because you know, at least in Dubai, you guys are seeing you know whatever check marks you have to say. Okay, fine. You know, these things, whether it's infrastructure policy and the like, this is in place. We can now you know make a firm. Uh, declaration to say that in Dubai we want to have at least you know twenty five percent of uh, miles kilometers driven being you know done electric right so for you to get to that stage in uh, let's say Johannesburg Cape Town Durban what type of things are you guys hoping to see on the ground so let's so, so there's a few pieces first one is the challenge today is EVs are not necessarily priced at a at a price point where the economics work for, for I think that's putting it mildly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we, we've seen in other places, well, it can get there. Mm. So so we, we, we think very carefully about total cost of ownership and a lot of it is dependent on third parties outside of Uber. So, so these um, deals with OEMs that mm. we've managed to to start getting at scale globally are very important to chip away at, at a piece of the of the affordability of EVs. Then when we work with with policymakers, the right incentives need to be put in place, which we've seen in a number of markets to to actually incentivize people to purchase um, to purchase uh, electric vehicles. And then, as we get closer for for the cost of ownership to to get there, then then, then we'll start seeing it ramping ramping up. The fact that the petrol prices are going up so exponentially, uh, I suppose that also starts closing the the gap relative to relative to to electric. Yeah, it really does uh, because, but. It really does. And I'm just thinking about, I guess, when you're driving electric, it's not so much the the, the charging aspect that's going to cost you the money. It's the actually acquiring the yes. vehicle or at least if you're leasing or, you know, or something, it has to be it has to be at least in line with, if not better mm. uh, than what people are getting on your traditional vehicles. Um, so in that sense, then. Um, what's ha- what's happened? I'm interested to understand what's happened in a place like Dubai. Mm-hmm. What what have they done there? Yeah, so like government is government incentivizes it. Yeah. so government has has very clear incentives for buying uh, electric vehicles. Mm. They've also done a lot of work on the infrastructure. Yeah, so they they've actually put um, fast charging infrastructure in place in the more core areas mm. and maybe in the more outlying areas it's, it's slower slower charging structure uh, infrastructure mm. but in truth the moment you put the infrastructure down you need to manage the manage the cost of what the electricity is that runs runs through those so yeah. they've managed to to get to get that down and um, again from a OEM perspective there are a lot of the OEMs are present. Yeah. Um, if you if you request an Uber in Dubai, there's a good chance you're going to get a Tesla. Yeah. Um, just because there's a lot of vehicles in the market already. Mm. Um, so I suppose it's 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 really clever for governments to 
to encourage ride-hailing companies to, to to really progress on on the EV front. And the reason for that is, if you think about the average uh, car that runs on on rideshare, they're doing significantly more kilometers than the average private car. Yeah. So for us to put more kilometers on the road in EVs, I would rather have a car sitting on rideshare than sitting in in somebody's parking garage the whole the whole day. Mm. So so essentially. We, we're starting to see governments realize that they shouldn't just be pushing the number of cars that they get on the road. They should be being clever about how they push the number of kilometers that actually get driven with these roads, mm. uh, with, with these cars. And, and that you do by putting them on rideshare versus yeah. um, pushing them equally to, to, to the public. Now, it makes sense because in terms of reaching that, I won't say critical, uh, critical mass, mm. but in terms of pushing adoption in a market like South Africa, I think, you know, having EVs, you know, with drivers would really go like a long way. Yes. Yeah. Because if at least, you know, I, I'm just thinking about if you're a cust- if you're a passenger and you get into a car, the first thing you're going to notice, because most of the time electric vehicles, they look a little bit different, yes. right? If it happens to be a Tesla, you'll be like, oh, wow, it's a mm-hmm. Tesla uh, or something like that. And then, you know, uh, you might, that's the first thing you notice. Second thing you notice is usually, wow, this thing is quiet, right? And you now, and I think just in terms of getting cu- people curious mm-hmm. about, uh, I guess, EVs in general, I think it would, uh, it would do a lot. Um, so when it comes to that, then, you know, trying to bridge that gap, trying to get, um, you know, government to, you know, come to the party, what have you guys been able to do, you know, so far? Are there any partnerships? Are there any talks behind the scenes that we should uh, know about? Mm. Um, because even when you talk to the likes of BMW, Mercedes, they are all trying to lobby, you know, for all of this stuff. I think Audi is the one brand locally vw group but audi specifically that's really been pushing Mm. um electric vehicles in south africa bmw you know as well Uh, but i think audi has really been serious especially just given the different number of electric vehicle models that they now um, offer in south africa but once again from an accessibility point of view i don't expect that your typical you know, Uber in South Africa is going to necessarily be an Audi e-tron GT. Uh, you know, it's, things have to come down. So what type of partnerships have you guys uh, been able to sign, ink, deal, negotiations and the like? Yeah, so I think for us, it's like we need to be at the, be at sitting at the right table. So yeah. quite recently, there was the Go Green Africa event that was hosted in, in Cape Town. It was around the, the time of the Formula E as well. And mm. we were a founding partner yeah. um, of that. So, so I think that was our first really prominent stride into the space in, in South Africa. And we, we are proud to be, be part of that, uh, that group starting to lead uh, thinking around, around electric vehicles in, in South Africa. So I think that's, that's probably the most recent um, piece of work that we did. That is starting to open up conversations. Um, we've got lots of inbounds from from companies that want to partner with us. Um, government is more interested now, given that. So I think that that was a really good first step for us to to start progressing on it. And, and, and we're a partner of this Go Green Africa now, and, and we hope to to continue continue building on that, building on that there. And what type of uh, what type of I guess what type of things are. I guess on the cards or the mandate, the goals, you know, that uh, Go Green Africa is trying to do. Yeah, so through our through our partnership with Go Green Africa, this is our this is our first step into it, and we've made some some really uh, impactful 
connections and partnerships as a result of that. And it, mm. it ranges from government stakeholders, specifically in the Western Cape. Mm. Um, Go Green Africa was, was, was based out of Cape Town. And, and those, uh, those connections are particularly useful to, to unlock policy, um, potential policy opportunities in, in the Western Cape. Yeah. Um, we've c- connections with IMF, um, a lot of the OEMs that were there. And, and I think this was a really good conversation starter for us as we, um, as we start um, jumping into the jumping into the space in 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 South Africa. Yeah. Um, further outside of South Africa, we've actually made um, some progress in Kenya already. Yeah. Where we have uh, some electric uh, bikes that are delivering parcels and moving people in in Nairobi. Yeah. So w- w- Kenya's leading a little bit uh, in in the sub-Saharan African space, mm. but we but we're looking to catch up in, in South Africa. All right, cool. Um, I, I think that gives us a nice overview of, uh, you know, firstly, um, how Uber is thinking around uh, strategy when it comes to electrification and the like, and then um, engagements, uh, trying to trying to make it happen in a country like South Africa. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the practicalities. You already started alluding to a lot of them earlier on when you're talking about uh, the cost of ownership, um, that the fact that in a country like Dubai, there's a way more electric vehicles, so it's more accessible and the like. So just bringing it down maybe to either on a general level or whatever it is, as a driver, let's I think let's start with the with the driver because they're the ones that will have to be you know going around driving these vehicles. Advantages of actually having an electric vehicle, you know, uh, a Tesla Model Three versus you know driving around in a in a Toyota Corolla, for example. So, uh, firstly, as a driver, you, you're driving in a lot cooler car. Tesla Model Three is definitely <laughs> uh, is, is definitely wins yeah. there, but. There's a there's a big cost saving when it comes to to, to fuel costs, yeah, and we see that um, translate to drivers' bottom line um, immediately. Mm. So so those those are the, those are the two big ones. The other one is because of the interest in um, electric vehicles, we, we we see really good demand on our on our green products. Yeah. So those drivers are particularly busy. So all around, it's it's, it's an earnings win for for drivers, mm. and then yeah, they're also being part of. The, the solution to sustainability. So I suppose they, they have an opportunity to, to, to themselves be part of moving um, the world in a, in, in a more sustainable direction. Mm. And when it comes to, I guess, the financing piece as well, because um, people are spending less on the operational cost, but there's still the capital cost of actually yes. um, coming in and owning the vehicle. I know that Uber has done a lot of partnerships around the world, um, you know, where they actually help drivers when it comes to leasing vehicles or, you know, ownership. Um, I think in certain parts of the UK, if I remember correctly, you know, there was a deal with the likes of Tesla to make sure that you, yeah, drivers can get favorable rates, that type yes. of things. Um, just could you talk to us just around how important partnerships like that are? Because obviously in South Africa, you guys, you know, we spoke at the beginning about, um, you know, the move and all of that stuff that you guys had been working on for normal vehicles. So when it comes to electrification, how important is some is stuff like that? Yeah. So, so your point on cost is really important. So you mentioned total cost of ownership. Mm. When you think about when you think about an EV, it, you, you have to think about your initial upfront investment and then your running cost, and that then puts your your total cost of ownership and maintenance and you know, total cost of ownership into into the same calculation. And I think. We sometimes battle to get over the the fact that your initial investment is is potentially a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah. But when when you look at it end to end, 
um, that total cost of ownership needs to be better. Yeah. So, so that's why these partnerships are important. So we have uh, global relationships with Tesla. Uh, we have deals with, with, with rental companies in the US, in, uh, in Europe as well, that are specifically targeted at um, whether it's rentals or vehicle finance for, for EVs. Mm. They get really favorable rates given the, the sustainability angle. This is facilitated by very strong policy decisions and incentives from, from government to allow um, sort of cheaper access to, to finance. Yeah. So those partnerships are incredibly important. Mm. And the value that Uber has is we obviously have some scale across the world. So our, our partnerships with Tesla, for example, is, is made at a global level. Mm. Uh, and that helps us get scale across a number of markets. I mean, interesting one, I'm sure you've seen um, Tesla drop their prices quite recently and they are um, desperately trying to get Teslas on, on the road. And I would love for them to, to, to come onto Uber. And I'm sure a lot of those Teslas that they're trying to, to push into the markets will find themselves onto the Uber platform, in, whether it's the US or Europe or the Middle East yeah. in the short term. Yeah. But yeah, those partnerships are important. Uh, we can't do it alone. Mm. No, most certainly. And uh, we, I'm just waiting to see just how all of that, you know, plays out uh, going you know, in time, because it often feels like, at least right now, it's like a chicken versus the egg, you know, type of situation. You can have a great partnership, let's say, with Tesla, uh, but in South Africa, you're your ability to implement something like that is more incumbent on Tesla actually being in South Africa and actually having a presence in the local market before um, the South African market and actually feel um, the benefit of that partnership in the local market. Um, so we wait to see how all that happens. And I suppose we all, we're all impatient, but this is not a one-day game. Um, <laughs> of course. But, but I think that the thing that I'm, I'm really encouraged about is the momentum that we're getting. Mm. And uh, it, it, it will come. It will come. Like we have our challenges in South Africa. Even if you say the word electricity these days, it, 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 sparks, <laughs> up a, it sparks up an emotion in most of us. Yeah. But uh, we, we will also work through that. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm quite confident that we will get to the right, to the right place. Maybe not next week or mm. even next year, but we will get there. I like the fact that you bring up the emotive part of electricity mm. uh, because uh, a practical, a, a practicality conversation around electric vehicles in South Africa is incomplete if we don't address, you know, the biggest elephant in the room, which is yes. load shedding. Uh, because some might say, why are we even debating electric vehicles when your supply of electricity um, isn't even guaranteed? But uh, I guess maybe if you're forward looking and you're saying, mm. you know, preparing for the day when there is that certainty. Uh, so could you talk to us about that one? Yeah, in, in truth, it is going to take a little bit of time. Hmm. But it's not like we're sitting with no electricity in South Africa. It might feel like that because we're all very emotive <laughs> about it, but yeah. it will get better. Yeah. We've just been through a, through a, through a tough time. Hmm. Um, but the improvements in technology around fast charging is, 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 is taking leaps and bounds. Hmm. Um, if you asked me this question three years ago, like the, how quickly you could charge your, your EV was was probably a, a quarter the um, four times what you what, what you get today. Mm. So it's definitely it's definitely getting better. Mm. So overall infrastructure needs to improve. So yeah. I'm I'm confident in the, the thing that I like about this space is it's such a it's such a fast paced um, such a fast paced industry and everybody has this. Sorry, let me just go. What I like what I like about the, the sustainability space it's 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 so top of mind 
um, in a lot of important stakeholders globally. And I feel technology is moving fast. Policy is moving fast. And I think businesses are, are really moving quickly. Mm. So I'm encouraged that we will find solutions. I, if, if I could tell you what the, what the answer to ESCOM's problems are on this podcast, then uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll be telling you something that a lot of people can't tell you. But yeah. I do feel that we have a trajectory and, and I'm confident that we're going in the right direction. Okay, cool. Well, we certainly, I, I take on your, your optimism. And, you know, as someone who is, you know, trying to uh, stay positive myself, you know, we take that positivity and hope uh, that, uh, you know, over time we will be able to figure this out, especially if enough heads and brains and money is being put behind uh, that particular issue. I think where we can end off for today, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about South Africa. We spent quite a bit of time talking about Dubai and some of the advancements that you're seeing when it comes to this particular discussion, um, you know, in that part of the world. And it's great the fact that, you know, you have sight of uh, these varying markets. And uh, just to understand, I guess, from a rest of Africa point of view, um, what type of progress you are seeing because for you guys to pilot um, electric scooters or bikes in Kenya, there's something that you're seeing in that particular market. So I think that's a good place for, for us to end off to say, what are you guys seeing in some of the other markets when it comes to uh, pushing this uh, particular conversation forward? So the Kenya one is interesting. That mm. actually, there's a, there's, there's a vibrant tech space there. There's a mm. vibrant uh, group of companies that are actively pushing towards sustainable solutions, not just in transport. And we, we had some very interesting partners approach us there. And that's how this, this originated. So Kenya is actually is doing, really, is doing really well when it comes to sort of forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about Egypt, also in Africa, they've, they've just come out of COP20, uh, COP27. Mm-hmm. And they've been actively thinking about it. Um, and, and it was policy makers that have been showing um, some, some, some good foresight. Again, it's a long way away, but they are, they're thinking about it actively. And then we'll see as, as it comes up. I think we have relationships in East and West Africa with, with policymakers and with OEMs, and we'll start seeding what we've seen work in, I'm hoping, South Africa very soon, what we've seen work in Kenya, we've seen work in the rest of the world, and, and just start the conversation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it starts with awareness. Yeah. And I think if we talk about it, I think if we give it our attention, and not just because it, it feels good. We, ha- we have to do it. It's imperative. We have to do it. It's our kids' future that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So we need to all think about it and actively work towards a, a more sustainable future. All right. So that's where we end off. It's been a great discussion, um, just focusing on uh, the issue of sustainability and more specifically um, electrification in the world of mobility. Um, Uber making that commitment that, uh, you know, every kilometer mile that's going to be driven on their platform um, be electric by the year 2040. Um, And, uh, you know, just taking it forward to say, you know, what are the pieces that need to be in place um, in their various markets for 
them to get uh, to that uh, big. Um, I think back in when I was in, in school, they used to talk about big BHAGs, uh, a big, hairy, ambitious goal. And uh, this really sounds like, uh, you know, one of those, particularly in some of our regions. Uh, but there is progress um, that is actually being made, engagements uh, with uh, uh, vehicle manufacturers, also engagements uh, with local government uh, just around uh, around that particular issue in South Africa. Because at the moment, what keeps um, the back electric vehicle adoption, um, having spoken to uh, manufacturers previously, um, I think the incentive issue, you know, that that's something that uh, Franz mentioned earlier on to say that's a big one. Um, and then uh, the other one, um, when you hear the manufacturers lobbying and talking is uh, uh, what you call this at the moment, the import tax is actually is actually very high. And for a country like South Africa that already has manufacturing capability, um, you know, bringing some of that uh, EV manufacturing to South Africa could uh, be in the long run one of those things that helps to um, bring in more electric vehicles into the market and begin, um, you know, some of that adoption. Very interesting to compare and contrast um, how things are progressing, you know, between a country like Dubai, South Africa, Kenya, um, also talking about uh, places like Egypt and uh, some of those uh, some of those considerations and also the practicalities of owning an electric vehicles because um, driver, because you have to think about it, your different stakeholders, the driver um, actually bringing down that cost and in, you know, practicality, what does that actually mean? If you can bring down uh, the cost of acquiring, you already, we already have articulated what the cost of operating um, that one is going to be much lower so we wait to see how all of that does progress um, over time and I'm hopeful um, you know despite uh, you know the issues around load shedding uh, despite uh, policy issues when it comes to EV things will uh, happen but you know like what France says it's gonna take time it's not one of those things that is going to happen um, over time so that's been it it's been a great conversation we were talking to Franz Himstra um, who is the regional general manager for Uber um, over for uh, Middle East and Africa France Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.